Welcome to the Health Deli, your local stop for a fresh take on community health topics. Come on in, grab a number, and let the guys behind the counter, Mark, Ben, and Mike, tell you about today's specials. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we've got another exciting episode of the Health Deli. Uh, ben has taken the day off today. I don't know what's up with these young kids and their work ethic, but uh, you know, hopefully he's got everything baked and ready those, to go. Those darn millennials, you know. I, I See, I never know what millennials, zennials, or what, what are all these things? I don't even know. I think I'm a baby boomer. You're, oh, you're so boomer. What's older than boomer? The greatest, the greatest generation. That's you. I am the greatest generation. Um, so obviously we got Mark here. Thanks, Mark, for... Um, Anytime, Mike. Anytime. I got, see, I got to be careful now because you just told me that your wife's mad at me for picking on you in here. And I thought I was being I, nice this year. You know, I don't think it's just my wife. Um, I think most <laughs> yeah, of the every, listeners... Every, everybody's mad at me picking on I you? I think so. I, Mark, Mark is very sensitive, so we'll have to... Uh, Try to be nice to him today. I appreciate that. All right. Well, you know, today is actually a really special day for us here at the deli. Um, we're honored, uh, very honored to have the 19th president of Ferris State University with us, uh, President Bill Pink. And President Pink, thank you so much for taking time out of your um, busy day for joining us at the deli. I, I am honored to be a part of this. This is um uh, when when asked to do this, this was an easy yes. It was not a question of if, it was a question of making sure that we could determine when. And so I am honored to be a part of this conversation. This will be fun. Well, and, and to be honest with you, sir, um, we did hear that we know that you hurt your knee and it kind of yes. got, back, got back to us that the reason that injury occurred is you were so excited to get that invitation to the deli. Uh, you were doing like these high jumps and backflips and stuff like that. And yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sorry about the knee while recovery and we'll have you back again. So you don't, you know, it, it's okay. I will try not to blame you guys too much for that. But when you were, if you would have seen me doing the somersaults <laughs> over the couch here in the house, you would have been very impressed all the way up until uh, I blew my knee out and uh, broke my kneecap. So uh, I I won't blame surgery on you, but um, at least uh, when I'm recovering, I'll be thinking about you. Should have maybe went for the double sow cow instead of the triple sow cow. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I should know better because it's been so long since I've done the triple. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, right. And I should have known better because, um, you know, you get overconfident when you've been, when that's just the norm. And right. so, yeah. Um, yeah. you're right. You're right. I hear you. That's the way I am with the quad. <laughs> oh, oh, well, before we get into our topic of the day, um, President Pink, I just would like to give you an opportunity, since you're relatively new to the university, uh, to tell us a little about yourself and about Ferris State University for our listeners. Yes. So, um, honored to be um uh, named as the uh, 19th president here. My goodness, we're about four, a little over four months into the job. And it's been uh, just a joy, not only getting to know the community uh, on campus and the, uh, what I who I call the Fair State family, but also the community here in um, Big Rapids and Macosta County. And then the Fair State family at a state and national level, because we've been able in these first few months to travel the state and to uh, connect with quite a few alumni across the state and to hear their alumni stories, but also to hear just how committed they still are to Fair State. That's been such uh, such a uh, for a new president to an institution like this. It's so um, validating as to um, what we've what we always thought to actually hear it from uh, alumni is is great. And then to also hear students. Um, I I'm uh, I, I love my job, but I really love hanging out on campus and just uh, stopping students along the way and asking them 
what they're what they're doing here, what their uh, aspirations are. And uh, those are some fun. I, I think I'm kind of avoided now because some students think I think word is out that they know what I'm going to ask uh, because it's a very regimented uh, question. Uh, a line of questions. And so I think some of them, oh, he's going to ask me what I'm what I'm majoring in and what I'm going to do with it and where I'm going to do it. And so I think some of them kind of take a beeline away, but that's okay. Um, it's been it's been a joy talking to them though, because uh, it's always good to keep in mind and keep it front of focus, um, the folks that we are uh, here for and working so hard for. Uh, a little bit about our family, my uh, as as uh, Mark, you would know, mm-hmm. uh, my wife is uh, from here in Macosta County. She grew up in uh, in Remus, just a few miles away from here. Um, and so to move here um, seven years ago to move to Grand Rapids and then now to move to Big Rapids, uh, this was uh, also bringing mama home and whenever you can bring mama home, that's a good thing. <laughs> And, so and, and you know, the, the funny thing is you, you mentioned, you know, bringing her home and Mark kind of let the cat out of the bag that uh, you two are related. Well, yes. I mean, come on. Yes. So, yeah, a little yes. Bit. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, getting together at the family reunions, you know, doing some curling. I and, wouldn't quite say that closely <laughs> related, but um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I hey, I will live in it, live in it, and claim it. Yeah. And, um, yeah. By the way, my wife says hi. Yeah. Well, I mean, Dr. Pink and I do have the same barber. Um, yes. so you guys can't see us, but, uh, we both have flowing locks of hair. No, um, no. So, uh, yes, I, I call it a hair don't rather than a hair do. So <laughs> oh, I like that. I might steal that one. Um, you know, I can, I, I love that you talked about the alumni because I am a proud member of the alumni here at Ferris. And I will say that it is, it is a great group. I mean, you can, you can tell another bulldog from a mile away and we're always, you know, willing to talk to each other and help each other out. Um, you know, in addition to that, I guess my one question for you before we get into the topic today is, is what has impressed you most about the university? I know you've been here for a short time, but what's that one thing that maybe stood out? Two things. Um, number one, once you get here and really get a good sense of the depth of programs that we have here and uh, depth in terms of uh, how our programs in so many cases are truly connected to um, our companies and our partners uh, across the state. Um, but also uh, in that regard, in the, in hearing how those programs are sending uh, graduates all over the place and doing amazing work and, and sending them out, starting in on making really good money um, just right out of college. Um, I, that has been impressive to me as something I knew, but now uh, getting in a bit deeper. And then also something I mentioned earlier, you just mentioned it, Mark, the level of um, of dedication that the alumni base of Fair State uh, has is has been remarkable. Um, last week when uh, we were in Allendale at the football game where uh, we beat Grand Valley, should I say again, <laughs> we beat Grand Valley. Um, and I was in, in just being in the stands, my wife and I, and just kind of walking around um, and part of my walking around was the nervousness, but a bit of that walking around was actually talking to, it was amazing how many alumni came out to that game. And one gentleman told me he drove up from Columbus, Ohio, just for the game, drove up by himself. He said, I wanted to be a former football player from, I believe the eighties. He said, I wanted to come and see how my school, uh, how my school does at, uh, at Grand Valley one of the thing, one of the time uh, during the fourth quarter in the heat of the battle, I'm standing there and there was a row of former football players, I believe, from the 90s that came in 
to watch the game. And they kind of grabbed me in and, and were just sitting there, uh, you know, recognized who I was and sitting there cheering uh, with me and the high fives were with them. It, it, it's just so fun to see how the alumni of this university comes to the table uh, to not only celebrate, but to say, here's what this university means to me. Excellent. Yeah, awesome. <clears throat> and you know, that's a good tie in. Uh, for what I want to talk about today, because, you know, you talk about alumni, but before they were alumni, they were students. Yeah. And, you know, we know that, you know, and President Pink, as you're aware of, you know, mental health uh, in the United States has been a, a major concern over the past several years. And according to the National Alliance on Mental Illness, about 21 percent of adults experienced mental illness in 2020. And that's almost 53 million individuals in the United States or about one in five adults. And if we start ratcheting back and focusing in on certain age populations, about 16, 17% of youth age six to 17 um, experienced a mental health disorder in 2016. And among those that experience mental health disorders, there's also co-occurring substance disorders um, that go along with mental health um, issues. And about 7% of US adults had those co-occurring uh, illnesses back in 2020. And the most common conditions usually that we're talking about with mental um, health problems in the population are usually general anxiety and depression. And general anxiety is defined as a condition with excessive worrying. Uh, it becomes everyday, you know, worrying about relatively small issues and situations that last longer than six months. And in addition to feeling worried, patients may also feel restless, restless fatigued, um, have trouble concentrating, irritability, and so forth. And this alone, just the anxiety, affects about 7 million individuals in the United States. And full disclosure, you know, I historically had been diagnosed with a generalized anxiety disorder. Um, so it, it is, you know, pretty common. And then we go into depression. Depression is defined as a mood disorder that can persist uh, a feeling of sadness or loss of interest. And about 9.5% of Americans aged 18 and over suffers from depressive illness. And although depression can occur at any age, the average onset is in the mid-20s. Again, we're kind of, you know, getting down to the age of interest. The thing that I thought really interesting or concerning was I mentioned, you know, at the beginning of these statistics, 21% of the general population suffered from these. But when we look at data among college students, um, rates of depression and anxiety might be upwards of 44% yeah. uh, of all those kids. Yeah. And, I, you know, I, I don't like making jokes about everything, especially about something as serious as this, but that's really depressive. I mean, those are, those numbers are eye opening for sure. Um, the, you know, looking back to, and my student experience, which was great as a bulldog, uh, but looking back, you know, I think, if you, I think I was depressed at a certain point um, in my academic career um, and probably should have reached out for help and didn't. But um, yeah, it's very, it's very staggering. And, and for, as, a, as a professor, I see students quite often that I really do think are, are um, you know, suffering from some, from some anxiety or maybe some depression. Yeah, and President Pink, what have you seen in your experience? I mean, you've been in academia for a number of years and been at different institutions. What has your been experience and what do you think's contributed to, you know, the situation among college students? Well, and, and both of you hit on, I think, very highly important points in the data and, and in the data that we that we do not have yet. I would call it anecdotal. You kind of talked about it, Mike, anecdotally from both of you, really anecdotally from what you remember of your own college experiences. 
And so when I think about mine, uh, I, I, I'm in the same th- in the same boat. I remember uh, so often that if I think about it now, um, there were many of the folks around me, self included, that had bouts of general anxiety from various for various reasons, um, as well as depression. And when you think about this uh, picture from a higher ed perspective, you think about a campus like ours, uh, a residential campus where students are um, at uh, living living on campus and in many cases, many miles away from home and uh, coming into an environment that they have to recreate their norm. They've got to recreate what what uh, what uh, the world looks like to them, because here they are with uh, living close to or next to people who they haven't didn't know before, but yet need to make that acquaintance. Put on top of that, there's this academic um, expectation that they're trying to reach either self-inflicted or externally. And then put on top of that, just the pieces that come as far as uh, social uh, interactions are concerned, all those things on the common 18 to 22 year old. Um, it should be no wonder to us, or no surprise to us, that uh, the bouts of, uh, of uh, mental health issues um, are at these levels. Now, in the day we live in today, fast forward from the late, ni- late 80s when I was in college, fast forward now to 2022 and the backside of a pandemic, which had its own impact in this regard. Now, um, on a on college university campuses, and we saw this, you guys, you, you've seen this in the last several months on our campus. It's been interesting to see. I would almost challenge that from our standpoint and colleges and universities across the nation, specifically residential, that when we now have a residential campus that is lifting itself back into having more of a social interaction and more of an in-person experience, I think those numbers start doing a little dance because I think some of those numbers come back to a better place because there are those opportunities to engage with people. There is uh, there is that freedom to walk uh, and to feel safe and walking across the hallway or walking up or walking over to the counseling center or I think I'm going to go see my professor. All those things I think now adds back for our campus communities another layer to help students just in the social interaction perspective, because there's all these other things and we we see those things. We talk about um, uh, pressure of grades. We talk about uh, some populations we see stronger than others when it comes to these, these type of data uh, with some of our students of color, some of our students from low socioeconomic backgrounds, um, uh, some from our LGBTQ communities, all those and other groups that we, we're not paying attention to the data um, that's uh, that's going to be that shame on us uh, in saying it shouldn't surprise us uh, that we see that we just have to make sure that we are addressing and being able to provide resources to do something about it. Yeah, if you step back, you think the, they're younger folks. They're leaving their social circle of friends to come to college. They're leaving their their family support system to come to college. They come to college, which is an open social environment and then we shut it down um, and don't allow that and uh yeah you know it, it is no surprise that that mental health um suffered in that in that era well and if we take a step back you know the pandemic has been just um I, i'm trying to get a good word the only thing i can come up with is horrific you know from mm-hmm. a number of perspectives and when people talk about the pandemic they talk about the pandemic like it was almost a 
constant event, which we know it wasn't a constant event. You know, in the beginning, you know, even though there weren't that many cases, people were very anxious about it. We were closing things down. We were isolating people, restricting travel, everything. And then we slowly, you know, shifted everything to online teaching. Everybody was isolated. Then we slowly come back, but still we're checking all the time, get asymptomatic checking for COVID. Everybody's wearing their masks. So it was a different time, different stresses. And then we look now, and I think people are trying to figure out how to get back. And we, we look at the data. And so I mentioned pre-pandemic, you know, the, um, the, the rates of mental health, depression, anxiety was about 44% in college age students. But I saw um, a study looking at data from college students between uh, 2020 and 2021. And this was a study that was published by Lipson and colleagues in the Journal of Affective Disorders. And they noted that during this time, during the pandemic, about 60% of college students met criteria for at least one mental health problem. 60? 60%. Yeah, that's, I mean, obviously a majority. I can do math. Yeah. Wow. I know that's, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> and this represented about a 50% increase from pre-pandemic years uh, for these, uh, you know, depression, and anxiety. There was an 18% decrease in flourishing. So wanting to go out, wanting to be social, 25% increase in depression, 18% increase in anxiety. And there was difference, significant difference among different populations, races, and so forth, as you, you mentioned, President Pink. And for non-suicidal self-injury and symptoms of eating disorders, the prevalence increased most significantly for white students. And for all other prevalence outcomes, things like depression, anxiety, suicidal ideation, and whatnot, the prevalence increased most specifically among minority students, specifically American Indian and Alaska Native students experienced the largest decreases in flourishing uh, among any group. So not only do we have to roll in the pandemic, but we can't treat all of our students the same uh, because they're coming from different social networks, different support backgrounds, family backgrounds. Some of these are first time family members in college, you know, a variety of things. And in 2021, the National College Health Assessment from the American College of Health Association noted that almost 75% of college students reported moderate or severe psychological stress. That's that's an incredible statistic. Um, yeah, I also saw a study about mental health could, problems. I didn't think you could read. <laughs> oh, pictures. My wife. Yeah. Okay. My wife read it to me. Um, but I saw, saw a study that um, said that mental health problems in college are predictive of lower academic success. So that's not surprising, right? So mental health uh, plays a, a, a huge role in your success, basically in life and in, in your success in, in school. And there's actually a twofold increase in the risk of dropping out or, or not continuing and finish uh, until graduation. So it, it's not just, yes, I feel sad, but I'm continuing to flourish. It really is impacting their education, which then has further implications all the way for the rest of their lives. Well, and, and I think about it because we've had, you know, essentially three years in this pandemic. Some of these students in college were in high school. They were deprived of social interactions, deprived of a lot of things, you know, leading up to here. And now you throw them in where, okay, now, okay, go ahead and be social. Mm -hmm. A lot of these people forgot how to do it. And, you know, for lack of a better word, I look at some of our students and I, the, the student population seems more fragile, you know, to me at this point in time. Oh, there's no doubt. And, and I have a hard time explaining exactly what it is without sounding like I'm being, you know, kind of judgmental or whatever, but they just seem 
they're looking for help. They need help to get kind of back to normal. Have you guys seen this? I, yeah, I don't agree with that. And I think some of our marginalized populations maybe didn't have the internet access they needed, things like that. All of those kind of of, of things come into play um, against uh, a lot of our students. One, I, you know, this it's a, it's interesting even to think about. So if if we go back and even rewind back to the beginning days, back in March of 2020, when uh, all of a sudden we were hearing word of this possible pandemic and then, uh, hey, there's a case in the United States and, oh, there's a case in Michigan. And I mean, you remember how that all uh, just really spun up on us. Think about back then when we were in the first several months of COVID-19 in this country and the large concern about how would it affect people? It What's the... What is the mortality rate of this of this of this uh, virus? Right. So uh, I remember friends who had it early on. And I remember one of my good friends, he talked about he said he said, I, I will. He said, I will tell you, it was one of the most. And he and this was before I want to say he had it before we even had the vaccine out. He said it was one of the most um, uh, nerve wracking experiences, not because of just the effects of it, the mental effects of it, because it was that he was an African-American male. So his thought was, oh, my goodness, all the things I hear is that oh, African-Americans uh, are have a greater risk. And so all of the data pieces floating around in his head of am I going to live through this? I mean, that's severe when you think about that. So now you fast forward. So you talk about a pandemic that started out with that type of thinking in terms of the danger of, and, and of course, uh, I'm not I'm not discounting it for by far because when you look at the numbers, but think about the toll when it comes to one's, just uh, one's mental capacities. And so of what all you have, you, you're thinking about. So the further we got into it and talking even high, higher ed now, send everybody home, get them home, get them off campus or, and all those things happen. And so here we are sending, and then the, the big concern with co uh, communities saying, oh no, you're sending these students back to us and they've been on these horribly um, pandemic ridden campuses and they're coming back to our, okay. So it was all those levels of panic that really affect uh, just how we feel about uh, ourselves as we relate to the world. Fast forward now where we are now. And one thing that uh, that we look at now, I, I love, uh, and you guys are familiar, I love that, uh, just some of the data coming out of Penn State and their Center for College uh, Collegiate Mental Health, and look at some of their data. This study was back uh, looking at um, comparison data of 2018-19 to 2019-20. In some of those data, what they're trying to get to is, let's talk about pre and let's talk about in and post, because then they did it again uh, in fall of 2020. Let's talk about what those uh, mental health pieces looked like, what you find in their data is that those data truly showed also that while COVID-19 did have various effects in terms of mental health and instances where college students were uh, uh, going to um, um, uh, seeking uh, some type of, of help in terms of their uh, of mental health, depression and such, but it also showed that in many cases, those students were coming in and in many cases, it didn't have anything to do with COVID-19. It was just some of the all added, all the pressures just of, of living life as a, as a college student and living life just on this, as a human on this earth. And so, um, and Mark, you kind of talked about this as well, because with our college students, Mike, you mentioned that fragility that we believe is there. 
I think he puts some of the idea of what else is out there that they are battling when they walk into the classroom. Mm-hmm. So my my personal background when I was uh, uh, teaching, one of my main uh, areas that I taught in, I was in uh, teacher education. So I, that was a big part, preparing teachers for K-12 classrooms. And one thing I talked to that we talked to our students about before you go into a classroom, before you have students come in as a, a first grade kindergarten or a 12th grade teacher, always think about what they walk in with. Um, you have no idea what happened before they step in foot in your class, right? Uh, what happened at home? What happened uh, with a friend? What happened at the bus? All these things. We try to help them understand. Don't just take the face value. There may be a reason why he or she is coming in and that level of upset or depression is there. So when you think about that in our world with uh, on a college campus, all the things that they're dealing with, Unless I even use that, the two, the, those two words, social media. Oh my goodness. Mm. All those pieces, they walk into the classroom and walk into our campuses with of all those social and emotional um, uh, pressures and directions coming at them. And now here they are sitting before us. And by the way, uh, you, we need to, we need to teach them X, Y, and Z. And so when you look at the data, the data are, they do tell us that, um, COVID-19 had an impact, but it truly still goes beyond just what we see with COVID-19. Yeah, students are coming in with arms full. Um, They have a lot of things going on. We got to realize that, you know, sometimes we look at it as a piece of straw, but if it's that straw that breaks their back, um, it's it's a lot different. Well, and you're right. I think that sometimes we lose our perspective. Uh, You know, we're there in front of, you know, 100 plus students trying to get across the information that we have to get across in a limited amount of time. And we're very focused on how we're going to do that. And we forget sometimes everything else in the world. Um, And I was making fun of Mark earlier, putting on his blinders. He was pretending to be a horse. I don't know why he wanted to pretend to be a horse. Because if Uh, I look at you, then you make (laughs) weird looks and then I just go right off the rails. And your wife wonders why I'm mean to you. Um, But I think that we need to continue as a academic family you know, us as teachers to remember that and to get back to, you know, having some relation with students outside the classroom, you know, to get those things. And unfortunately, I think that the pandemic and all the stresses in academia has taken a toll on a lot of us as well and made us less personable Yeah, uh, from that oh, standpoint. Yeah. They're here to learn and they're here to grow both. Well, and, and for us to think that, and so often this is going back to uh, college days of um, my own personal college days where you can, I would continually hear, well, you know what, you're in college now. So it's almost as if now that you're in college, it doesn't count anymore, that you've got to have this elevated sense of adulthood that transcends anything of mental health issues. And quite frankly, we know that uh, adults uh, and mental health uh struggles among adults um, that go all throughout into elderly ages are truly prominent. And so uh, far be it from us to think that our students uh, 18 to 22 and older are not dealing with those same pressures. Yeah. Um, You know, Mike, now that the, and Dr. Pink, when, now that the pandemic is over and I'm using quotes, you can't see me, but I'm using quotes because we don't really know it's over, but we're calling it over. Are we just back to normal? What more work do we have to do? That's a good question because I I honestly think that um, what we have now in um, I always I do I do the air quotes too, Mark. I think in this uh, post pandemic world, 
um, where I think that we have to now make this adjustment to um, compartmentalize COVID-19 uh, the way we compartmentalize uh, influenza, the way we compartmentalize different things that from time to time over the course of years will come our way um, and uh, make sure that as a community that we are uh, able to, to identify it and then and handle it. And I think uh, this is a little pink opinion here. I apologize. But um, I think that the biggest um, the biggest gap and mistake that I think we have made in the last two and a half years uh, in our country, I can only speak for us uh, during pandemic, is I I'm one of those people who believe that if we could have uh, from the very beginning done a better and I don't, I'm not blame putting the blame on any one person or any people group. Well, we're gonna blame we, we're gonna blame Mark. If Mark is the one for Mark Young, <laughs> if we could have as an as a society come together to say, okay, how is it that we together can address this? How can we together be able to say whether I am way over here on this side of I believe it's a horrible pandemic or over here, oh it's all fabric. No, 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 no. Let's just assume if it is there, how do we together, how could we do this together in addressing um, a pandemic at a level that we can uh, as quickly as possible have control? Um, at, because Lord knows in 2022, uh, in, back in 2020, we have uh, we are advanced enough medically. And I mean, you think about the work that you guys do so well in, far, in our College of Pharmacy. We have so much advance, so many advances as far as what we know medically, and just from a scientific perspective, we could have done some, I think, I think revolutionary collaborations to say, all right, let's talk about how we get out ahead and mitigate something, if in in some case it could get here. I think that uh, the idea is why I'm, it's my, everything I'm built on when it comes to just leadership is built on uh, how uh, how you partner and how you build relationships because building relationships whether it be on campus off campus that's how we get work done and so um, I think there's so much to what we have to continue to build now post pandemic if you will to say let's let's get these let's do these things together so that if in fact something did happen again that's not even COVID nineteen that's something else. That we have some, uh, that have, have things set up where we can do better at how we work together to mitigate these kind of things. No, I I, I agree, but I'm going to put you on the spot now a little bit, and you know I, uh, that never happens to me. Oh my! <laughs> <laughs> See, he's ready for it. He is. Uh, you know, so what do we do? What are you doing? What are your thoughts? How do we? serve our students best. I mean, okay, now you're not only talking theoretically, hypothetically to students, but theoretically there could be somebody's parent out there listening to this. I don't know why they would, um, but they might have a student that's considering going to university and maybe Ferris. And what support, what is Ferris doing or should be doing or will be doing, you know, to ensure not only the mental health of their, you know, the son, daughter post pandemic, but just going through their collegiate career. I mean, this is really put a light on mental health on college campuses for me uh, more than it ever had. And so I'd love to hear what, what you're thinking and, you know, who needs to get involved. And I, I don't think, I, I don't believe there's a single um, board or committee I'm asked to serve on at the state or national level that um, 
student mental health doesn't come into the conversation. I think when I think about uh, being on uh, ACE on that board, uh, we talk a bit, uh, quite a bit. What's what does mental health look like across campuses? Um, even with our the HLC board work, I do. We you know we you have you hit this idea. I mean that's accreditation, but you also uh, ask how are, how are our campuses doing? Um, it, it's a it's it is a prime uh, um, example, but a very important uh, piece. So, from a fair state perspective, the thing that's going to be so important going forward, now and going forward, a getting back into the uh, just the idea of university, just the idea of being back to that environment that students feel a sense of not only uh, social interaction but feel safe to do so. And safety is so important. We know the data show us that if students do not feel safe, the learning uh, is reduced tremendously. And so uh, we have to make sure, and that safety goes to physical safety, mental, um, uh, cognitive, all those pieces when it comes to safety. And I just love to use the word wellness, and I love those tenets of what just of truly what wellness means. And so I think that focus is gonna be prime importance, wellness, the wellness of our campus community. And then from our perspective, we can help ensure that by making sure that number one, our resources are in place, which I've been so far pretty impressed with the resources we offer students. But I think more so, just as important, if not more so, is that we have information out to students in how to access resources. Because I think that ends up being a major issue on large organizations, whether it's a university or a large company, whomever. You get so big that you forget that it's important to constantly and consistently communicate to your students, in this case, where are the resources? How do you tap into the resources? If it needs to be this, here's how you get this. Whatever it is, that the resources are not only there, but they are well communicated. And so from my perspective, I think from a fair state uh, space, those are going to be the most important things to feel really good about the alignment and the lineup of resources out there, but to feel equally good about the fact that students know how to access those. And sometimes they want to access it in a confidential way. We have to make sure that's available. Sometimes they're more open. We got to make sure it's done, but we've got to make sure access is there and information is there so that they know how to get to those resources. Yeah. You know, one thing I try to stress to my students um, is this idea that we're, you know, we're our brother's keeper, right? And so I try to get students back involved in student organizations, back involved in student groups and social circles. So that's my first message is get involved. And then when they're involved, my next message is get others involved. Reach out to those students, reach out to those people. And we've, we've all been in classrooms. We know those students that are maybe a little bit less apt to engage with the group, reach out to those students. Um, we're, we're all, when in my college, we're all healthcare professionals or student pharmacists. And you really can't shut that off. If you're providing healthcare to your patients, you provide care really to everyone. So, um, you know, just watching out for everyone else, having eyes on everybody. Um, is what is what I'm trying to do anyway um, for my students. No, and I and I appreciate and agree with all that. And you know, I love the fact that you know asked a little bit of a pressing question to President Pink, and very eloquently explained what the university is doing, what he mm -hmm. wants to do, what he thinks is important. You know, you got to you know have that be a priority. 
Uh, and you have to, again, not only have the resources, but make sure people can get in touch with their sources. And from my perspective, what I see is mental health back in, you know, my generation, Mark, and yeah. you know, like your grandparents and 1930s, stuff like that. 1930s, yeah. Yeah, maybe 20s. Uh, you know, mental health, we didn't talk about it. It was just pull up your bootstraps, just deal with it. And so, you know, when I started this podcast and I intentionally said, hey, I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety. You know, it's kind of making it not taboo. I mean, is anybody ashamed to say that they have high cholesterol or high blood pressure? You know, so mental right. health, you know, shouldn't be something you're ashamed of. It should be something that you get the care that you need. And I think that's one of the things, you know, for me is, okay, I don't have that connection with a lot of the students because a lot of the students are my kid's age. Uh, so making that connection is not as easy for me, but at least letting them know that it's okay, you know, to be vulnerable. It's okay to share. I don't have all the answers. And, you know, again, from the university perspective, you know, they're putting together the resources. So if I say it's okay to be, talk to about your mental health, mm -hmm. I give up every expecting somebody's like going to talk to me about it. And so I can give them the information. Right. So I think that I'm an extension, obviously of the university. Mm -hmm. And so I need to know what's going on at the university level so I can plug students in. So I honestly, Mark, to quote one of your favorite movies, High School Musical, uh, we're all in this together, right? <laughs> that, uh, I have no idea what you're talking about, but I like the message. I do like the message. I don't know what High School Musical is. but Oh, oh come um, on. You know High School. Zach Efron and we're all oh, I do know in Zac Efron. this together. Yeah. You yeah. All right. Anyway, uh, we got see, and that's and that's why I have to blind. That's why I have to use the blinders because he says stuff like that. Well, talk. I should have, I should have muted my microphone before that because I just couldn't help that laugh. Yeah. Oh. Don't don't encourage him, Doctor Pink. I know you're being nice, but you don't have to be nice to him. Well, well, I, but to your but but Mike, to your point though, I I mean, I will. I think back to uh, just uh, my time in. I think about. Uh, in high school and college. And you're right. I mean, and even beyond college, it just wasn't the thing you did. You didn't talk about uh, if you were struggling with depression. You didn't talk about that. Matter of fact, you ignored it because you felt like, um, no, you can't. Uh, that, that's going to that's going to test for, in my in my in my life. That's going to give this ish. That's going to give this impression that I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm not good enough. I'm not a man. I'm not, you know, it was this, that piece that held, that held back the idea of just getting resources, just seeking out help. And so uh, to tear down those walls, I'll, I'll hit this a, a little bit as well. When I think about, um, because when you look at the listing that talks about some of the students who struggle most, I, because of my background, having, um, been a student athlete in college and then uh, coaching after college and doing uh, an athletic director after after that. Um, when we think about some of those stresses that student athletes are under, and I look at some of these, uh, I look at some of our student athletes, but I look at some of those who are on TV every Saturday afternoon and uh, TV two or three times a week uh, with basketball and volleyball. And you think about that pressure and you think about uh, that pressure to perform and um, and the, what rides on that to them in their mind. And um, it's the the notion back in my college days, my master's and Ph.D., I was this close to doing a right turn and going into sports psychology because of just what I was seeing with uh, athletes, both at the co collegiate 
and at the professional level. And because it is a fascinating piece that you uh, that you deal with in that regard as well. Yeah. And uh, wow, there's so much here to talk about and unwrap. And uh, our producer has given me the uh, cut it off now, uh, you know, sign. Uh, but what I would love to do is uh, have an open invitation uh, to you, President Pink, you know, to come on. And we're, we're going to invite you back, even if you decide, you know, you don't want to voluntarily come back. Uh, we're going to get you back in here because this has yeah. been wonderful. It has. You know, I've, I've appreciated your time. Uh, appreciated your insight. And um, hey, next time, maybe we'll have you, uh, you know, make some bread because uh, yeah. Ben's not going to be here. You can get back there and you know, bake yeah. something, bake something up now, for us. I do have to ask if real quick answer. Um, we talked about stress. We talked about anxiety. What's one thing you do to get rid of some of that stress, anxiety? What's your thing? I have two things. I call them, I actually, Mark, I call it therapy. Um, my two therapeutic uh, exercises, uh, when the weather is warm, I like to get out and play golf. And uh, all year round, I love to fish. And so, uh, because both of those things, I think my key is when I'm able to do things that take my mind away from just how I think about my work, I go to a place where I'm thinking differently. What club am I going to use? Uh, how, and what's the swing going to look like? Or what bait am I using here? Where, you know, what's the size of my hook? Where am I? Those kind of things give me that release. Yeah. And uh, you have to, in my opinion, have, I call it, you got it. You have to have your therapy. You have to have those things that take your mind away from uh, the the daily, uh, the daily grind. And that's, those are my two, those are my two jams. And, you know, like I'm it. not going to lie. Uh, after sitting in this booth for Mark uh, for about 40 minutes, I need some therapy. Uh, so I think we're going to hang, hang the close sign up so I can go find a way to uh, refresh my mental health. Uh, so, again, President Pink, thank you so much for joining us at the deli. And as always, uh, thank you, Andrew, and the, the crew here at Digital Media Production. Thanks for stopping by the Health Deli to sample some of our wares. We're open 24-7 on Facebook and Twitter at The Health Deli or visit thehealthdeli.com to send us a question or find any of our locations. Please come again. We will be regularly stocking the shelves with fresh content and new wellness specials. As always, we want to give a special thank you to Andrew Tingley and the crew at Ferris State University's television and digital media production program. Until next time, so long from The Health Deli, where the topics are tasty, the takes are fresh, and the discussion is free.